Good day and welcome to our Bible study. We're going to continue on uh, in the book of John, chapter 6. We'll be covering verses 60 through 71. And actually, this is the last section of the gospel of John, chapter 6. The title of today's lesson is Many Disciples Will Desert Jesus. So let's review from last week. Last week we saw and we learned where Jesus was speaking to the crowds. But more specifically, more importantly, he was speaking to the religious leaders, if you remember, right? Because they had showed up on the scene. Wherever Jesus went, he, he attracted large crowds. And we've seen that throughout the Gospel of Matthew and now in the Gospel of John. And everywhere Jesus went besides the crowds, religious leaders followed, right? Because they were trying to entrap Jesus. Because what Jesus was teaching went against their narrative, you can say. Right? They believed in the kingdom. They believed in that kingdom that was to come. But they didn't like how Jesus was presented, that it was going to be a spiritual kingdom. They wanted this earthly kingdom where they can be in some type of power and some type of control. Right? And we said last week that's because of pride. And, and the downfall of man was going to keep most people out of the eternal kingdom of, of God. The Bible tells us will be pride. And Jesus is telling them. He's pointing out that I am the Messiah. He's pointing out that I am the true bread of life, he's saying, right? And, and the only way to get to this kingdom is through me. That's the only way one will enter into the kingdom of God, he's saying. And one enters the kingdom of heaven. One enters the kingdom of God by believing, by having faith, by trusting and committing themselves to him. And if you remember last week, we left off on a verse that said this, he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, right? Now, why Capernaum, you say? Because this is all foundational. This is all what the prophets in the Old Testament pointed to and spoke about, right? What do I mean? This is where God will begin the process of redemption. You can say salvation. In other words, this is where Jesus' ministry began, right? It began in the Galilee. Capernaum is in the Galilee, the northern part of Israel. And a lot of people think that Jesus spent a lot of time in Jerusalem, and he did spend some time in Jerusalem. But most of his ministry was done in the northern part of the Galilee. And now we see in this biblically because it mentions Capernaum. It's all foundational. This is where Jesus begins his ministry. This is where Jesus begins the process of saving people, of, of teaching about the kingdom of God, right? It's all about salvation. And the only way one can get salvation and live eternally in the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, amen? So it's all foundational in our life. And we need to accept them as that suffering servant, right? We need to believe in him, that God the Father sent him down to be on that cross at Calvary that he took upon the sins of the world. And those who believe in him and have faith in him and commit their life to him, he tells us in the Bible, you will inherit the eternal kingdom of God. So what we're going to see in today's lesson is 
We're going to see where his disciples. Now, when I talk about disciples, remember, we said this quite often, that disciples translate into following of Jesus, right? You're following him. And if you follow Jesus, Jesus says, you're a disciple of mine. Now, when he says disciples in general, he's not speaking about just the 12 that he handpicked. But he's speaking about those crowds that follow him. But you're going to see in today's lesson that those crowds desert him, right? Because they really don't understand what, what, what he's talking about because they're thinking in the flesh. They're thinking from a natural standpoint. But you're going to also find out that there's Peter, one of the 12 that he handpicked. <laughs> Peter gets it. He understands who Jesus really is at this point right now. Because we can say that Peter was thinking spiritually. And that's how Jesus wants us to think here on this earth. Remember, this earth is controlled by Satan. And Jesus says that if you're not of the spirit, then you come from the father, the devil, Satan, which is of this earth. Right? But we see here that Peter and the 12, they get it. They believe that he is the Messiah right here. They believe that he is the only one that can get you, that it is through Jesus of Nazareth that you can get to the kingdom of God. Amen. So let's start today's lesson. We're going to start off in verse 60, and we're going to go 60 through 71. It starts off like this. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard word or a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Some of your Bibles might say everlasting life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the one holy one sent from God. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. So let's go back up to verse 60. And verse 60 starts off, remember, Jesus is teaching to the crowds. He's pointing out the religious leaders. He's telling them that he is the bread of life. What he's telling them is that 
I am the only way to the kingdom that you must believe and must commit to me. That's what he meant by the bread of life. Because Jesus gives life, right? Because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the only way to the kingdom of heaven. But they didn't seem to understand that because they're thinking in the physical. They're thinking in the natural. So in verse 60, they say, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is hard word to believe, a hard word of teaching. They say, who can accept it or who can hear it? Now, when it talks about disciples here, as I said in the introduction, this is speaking about the crowds of people that kept on following Jesus, right? Everywhere he went, there was crowds. And remember, if you're a disciple of Jesus, that means you follow him, right? So they say, it's difficult, it's hard. It's hard to understand what you're teaching, they're saying. We don't understand, we don't get it. Now why is that? Because they're thinking in the flesh, that's why. They say, who can accept it? Who can hear it, is what they say. Now this word hear or accept, that means to respond. This means to obey. So once again, he's telling them, Jesus is telling them that in order to reach or in order to get to his kingdom, that one has to eat of him. He has to eat the bread. They have to drink of his blood, right? He's saying that you need to commit to me. You need to rely on me. You need to trust in me. You need to have faith in me. But they don't comprehend what Jesus is saying because they're thinking in the natural. There aren't kingdom-minded, you can say, right? And Jesus wants us to be kingdom-minded. See, all these people were worried about were their physical needs being met. Verse 61. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Now, this isn't the normal word for offend, right? I mean, when, when Jesus uses the word offend here, what he really means in translation of offend means scandalous. So Jesus asked them, is this scandalous to you? That's what he's saying. And this word scandalous is, is repulsive. In other words, it's a very strong word that he uses here, the meaning of it, right? So, so after grumbling, Jesus hears them grumbling. And he tells the crowds and he, and he looks at his 12 disciples, right? And he says, then what if you see the Son of Man, in verse 62, ascend to where he was before? So why does Jesus say that? So he hears them grumbling, right? He says, is this scandalous to you? They keep on grumbling. He turns to the crowds. He turns to his 12 disciples that he handpicked, and he tells them, well, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? He's speaking about the resurrection here, right? See, in order to rise, more often than not, one has to die. So what he's hinting to his disciples, the 12, and what he's hinting to the crowd, the disciples that are following him and have been following him, he's hinting about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He's pointing to the cross. He's pointing to the crucifixion. He's saying that I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die. And I'm going to be buried in a grave. But on the third day, the Father's going to raise me to where he was before, he says, right? See, after he dies, he's saying, I'm going back to where I previously were. I, I'm going back to be with my Father who is in heaven. 
And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Verse 63. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit. And they are full of life. So what he's given us here is two concepts. You can say two opinions, right? Two, two concepts that one is spiritual and one is physical. You see, he says, the Spirit. The Spirit is everlasting life. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. But he also says what? The flesh, death. It counts for nothing, he says. This is speaking about hell. And we know there's two roads that people's going to be on. When you die, there's only two one of two places you go. And Jesus says it again right here. He points it out right here. There's no in-between. There's no play in the fence. There's either heaven or there's hell. You either, Jesus says this in the Gospel of Matthew, that you, there's many people that's going to be what? On that wide open road, that, that broad road, he says, that leads to this wide open gate that leads to destruction. Jesus is speaking about hell. What he's basically telling us is that most people will not enter into the kingdom of God because they don't believe. They don't have faith. They don't commit, right? We can say they're lukewarm Christians, and there's a lot of lukewarm Christians in this world, and I'm not judging. I'm just telling you what the, what the gospel says and what Jesus says, that many, many will be on that broad road and very few will be on that narrow road that leads to the narrow gate that leads to the eternal kingdom of God. You can't be playing the fence. You can't go to church. You can't be all holy one day and the next day do what? Live for the flesh. Doesn't work that way. That's not committing to God. That's not believing in Jesus. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity, right? And some of you say, well, I believe. I believe that he's the Messiah. I believe that he died. In and that's great. But how are you living your life, right? You can believe. But when you live your life a different way, that's lukewarm. And Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out at the end time. Because you really didn't commit. See, that word believe means commitment. That word believe means Giving your life up for Christ. Denying the flesh. You see, that's why Jesus tells us, right? Jesus says, it's, it's difficult to follow me. Right? You to be a disciple of mine, you better get ready for some hard times. You better get ready for persecution. You better get ready because the devil's coming against you even harder. See, there's a, see we all go through problems and troubles in our lives. But you know what we do, most of us? We pray, we ask God, you know, get us through this. But God's going to do that on his own time. And while you're waiting, you should be praising. You should be thanking, right? But you know what a lot of us do? We don't do that. We do just the opposite. We doubt and we give up. Well, you doubt, huh? Well, you don't believe if you doubt. But you say you believe, but when you're in the act of it, you don't. So you really don't believe. You're really not committing. And, and, and can I tell you this? If you do believe and you do commit and you keep praising and you keep worshiping him, that problem will eventually end. And you didn't pass that one test, but guess what's ahead? 
another test. And it's going to be a little harder this time, right? It's going to be a little bit more stressful this time, right? It's going to be a little bit more anxiety that come upon you, right? What are you going to do? See, Jesus is putting you through trials to test your faith, to see if it's growing, to see if you truly committed, amen? But a lot of us really are not truly committed. That's why I'm going to go back to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. There's many people that will not enter into his kingdom that's going to be on that broad road because they really don't believe. They really don't commit. And he's given us an example here. There's only two options. There's no middle. There's either you're on that broad that leads to destruction, which is hell, or you're on that narrow road, if you truly commit to him, that leads to the eternal kingdom of God, right? So what he's saying here is this to his disciples and to the crowds. He's saying, don't focus on the physical, but focus instead on the spiritual message that I give to you, that you receive from me, is what he's saying, right? In other words, he's saying, you need to be partakers of me. You need to commit to me. You need to fully believe and trust in me. That's what he's saying. You know, we, we always go back to the book of Exodus because the Old Testament points to the New Testament, right? Let's go back to the, to the, the Exodus where, you know, two, a million and a half, two million Israelites leave Egypt. Pharaoh lets them leave. And Pharaoh chases them after about two or three days. He, he, he wants his slaves back, right? But, but you know the story. Get to the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. That's a miracle by God. Israelites should have seen that. They should have trusted in God, committed in God. They get across the Red Sea, but what they do right away? They start murmuring again. They start grumbling again, just like these disciples. You say they didn't believe. And because of that, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> 40 years. But if they just would have believed and trusted in God, they could have got to the promised land in about two weeks. Because literally, if you, if you walk that, it's about two weeks it should take them. It should have took them. But 40 years it took them to get there. And really, that first generation, only but two entered the promised land. Why? Because those two believed. Those two committed. Those two trusted. And they went through a lot of trials and tribulations in 40 years. But they never wavered on God. They never walked away from God. They believed and they stand firm in their belief that God was going to get them through. That God would provide. See, the Bible talks about if you're righteous, right? If you truly commit, if you're righteous to God, that God will put a hedge of protection around you, that God will, will supernaturally provide for you. When the world's starving, if you truly believe, God will supply you with food. Well, how? You don't need to know how. You need to believe. You need to trust, right? You need to commit to Him. Because when you commit to him, he takes care of his righteous people. He takes care of his holy people. You see that throughout the Bible. But when you don't, you also see this throughout the Bible. You're not going to get entered to your promised land. And our promised land is the eternal kingdom of God. Amen. So we need to commit. Jesus wants a commitment from you. Not a lukewarm commitment. He wants a full-blown commitment commitment to deny flesh to pick up your cross and to follow him 
So my message is this. When you go through trials and tribulations, keep praising in the storm. Keep worshiping in the storm. Hold on to that rock in the storm that never wavers, that never moves. I'm speaking about Jesus Christ, right? Cornerstone. Hold on to him tightly. And when you start committing your life to God, committing your life to Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, he will, he, he, he will put his arms around you. He will put a hedge of protection around you. He will provide for you and your family, right? See, when you commit to him, he not only takes care of you, but he takes care of your family. Look at King David, right? I mean, King David, he was righteous. Now, was King David a sinner? Absolutely, King David was a sinner because we all sinners. But after the prophet Nathan went to King David and told him what was fixing to take place after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, David gave up his life to Christ, right? Gave it up. And because he gave it up, what did God do? God said, you know what? When Solomon took the throne, David's son, Solomon started off innocent, started off loving God, started off he, the only true living God he worshipped. <clears throat> and the prophet told him through God, don't marry. Don't marry other women because <laughs> they're going to turn you against the one and true God. But you know what? Solomon didn't listen. And he got so wicked towards his latter years that God thought about taking the throne from him. But God said, nope, I remember my good servant David, his father. So you see, when, when, when you serve and you commit, you're not only doing yourself good, but you're helping generations behind you because God has mercy on them because of what you did, amen? Because of how you committed to him. So I encourage you today, if you lukewarm, forget about the physical needs. Because God says the physical needs, right? All the material things, all your money, right? All, all, all the stuff that you have. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong about having material things. But don't put that before God. Because all, he says all that will vanish. He says store up treasures for the kingdom of God. Store up treasures for the kingdom of heaven. Because that will never vanish. That will never leave. Right? See, when we die, right? <laughs> and you get to the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of heaven, right? If you're fortunate enough to get there, right? By faith, by believing. Now, once you believe and once you have faith and once you accept and you become a newborn, born again for Jesus then every good deed you do, everything good you say, every good work you do, that's rewards that you will get in heaven. In other words, I'm, I'm going to give you an analogy where we can all understand because money dictates this world, right? The more good works you do, the wealthier you are in heaven. Now, that doesn't save you. You first have to believe and commit your life to Jesus. The Bible says that's what saves you. That is the truth of God. That is the word of God. But after you come to know Christ in your heart and you accept Jesus into your heart, then you start adding up good works. And everything goes into the book of life, right? And the more good works you do, the wealthier you are. Now, you might believe and you might commit, but you might not have a whole lot of good works. That's okay. You're still in the kingdom. 
but you're not as wealthy in the kingdom, right? So we need to understand that concept that Jesus wants us to do both. Jesus wants us to believe and commit to him wholeheartedly, but also he wants us to do great works for his kingdom. See, we were put on this earth to worship with God, to fellowship with God. We're also put on this earth because God knew that sin would enter into this world. And sin means separation from God. So when you become a believer and you commit your life to Christ, it's our job to make other disciples in this world. Because this earth is controlled by Satan. This earth is dark. And our light needs to shine in this earth to draw people to us so we can bring them to our high priest, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? So going back, what Jesus is telling them is don't focus on the physical things of this earth. That's what he's saying. Instead, focus on the spiritual message of me, that you receive me, that you be partakers of me. In other words, he says, the words I have are spiritual and they give life. And now remember, life is related to the kingdom. So he's saying all this has a kingdom message. He's saying don't lose the truth of this message. Don't lose the truth of what I'm telling you. Always keep it near to your heart. Verse 64. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, he says, right? So Jesus is saying, some of you right here, you with me. You say you followers. You say you believe, but you really in your heart don't believe. And it's a message to us that Jesus, he hears everything we say, but he also knows our thoughts. He sees our actions, but he also knows our thoughts, right? That's why you should be thinking positive in this world. You should be thinking positive thoughts, uplifting thoughts, right? Because that's what comes from Jesus. That's what comes from God the Father. But you know what a lot of us do? We think negative. Negative comes from Satan. Negative comes from the devil. It's evil. I mean, just think about this, right? When you're going through a situation, a crisis, a problem, a tribulation in your life, right? Man, you start having negative thoughts in your mind. Right? See, like depression. Depression is, 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 is a huge factor in this world. And that's not what God created it to be, right? The devil created depression. Why? Because it's negative. And the minute you go through something and a negative thought comes to your mind, because that's the first thing that comes to your mind is negative. That's not from God. That's from Satan. That's from the darkness. That's from evil. And you know what a lot of people do? Instead of washing it away, instead of opening up a Bible and reading passages and praying that, that God help them and give them strength to overcome this negativity from Satan, the attack from Satan, we feed into that negativity. And depression starts to set in, right? And when depression sets in, depression is a form of death. But Jesus says, I come to give life. So I encourage you, you know, if you want that gets depressed, start praying when you feel that coming on. Open up the scriptures and start reading the scriptures. Because where God is, the devil flees, right? Because the minute... You start opening up the scriptures, and the minute you start praying, man, you know what the devil does? The devil says, I can't, I can't win with this one. I'm going to go find another one. See, God is, is omnipotent. He's omnipresent, right? He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. But the devil's not like that. The devil can be at only in one place at one time. So the minute you start getting an attack by Satan, you rebuke him. You say scripture. You start praying. 
And when you start doing that, there's a sense of peace and calmness that comes upon you. Why? Because he knows he can't get you. So he's going to try to go get someone else. Because just like we have the kingdom of God, Satan wants you in his kingdom. The kingdom of Satan, which is hell. And he's trying to get as many people, as many souls as he can into his kingdom. But Jesus says, believe in me, commit to me, have faith in me because I give life. I give everlasting life. Amen. Let's continue on with the scripture. So Jesus says from the very beginning, going back, yeah, there are some of you that believe. Then look what else he also says. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So Jesus also knows which of his disciples are going to betray him. And he's talking about Judas Iscariot, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. Verse 65, he went on to say this. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. So this is speaking of the truth of God's order. In other words, God's framework into salvation, we can say. And the question is this. When is someone going to be given to the Son, you might say, right? It's, it's an easy answer. It's simple. When we understand spiritual truth of Scripture. In other words, when we understand that God sent His only begotten Son to go to the cross, right? To take upon the sins of the world. To know that he died, he was buried in that tomb, but on the third day he rose again because of his obedience to the Father. When we accept that and we believe in that and we commit to his son, that's when Jesus, that's when God the Father opens the door and you and Jesus get together and Jesus comes lives in the inside of you. Amen? Verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, the phrase from this, this means what they heard, what Jesus was telling them, what Jesus was preaching and teaching. It says many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, understand that at this point, the crowd and the religious leaders, man, they're all listening to this, right? With the 12. But remember, if you followed him, you was a disciple. So when the scripture tells us that the disciples walked away, it's not speaking about the 12 that he handpicked. It is speaking about those crowds that had followed him. So we can say that those that walked away, that's what it means. It means they weren't redeemed. Right? And we know a lot of people that walked away from the truth. You might have family members, right? You might know people that walked away from the truth, right? And what do I mean by the truth? I mean Jesus. I mean the scriptures, his word. Because the Bible is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus gives life. You know, there's a lot of people. They go to church, but they don't know the Bible, right? And, and when you tell them something that's biblically correct, it stains them because they don't know. That's not what they, either they hadn't been taught correctly or they just don't know because they've been brainwashed a certain way through traditions, right? And what do they do? 
they walk away from you. Well, you are a disciple, right? You've given them the word. You've given them the truth. But yet they turn and walk away. They just like these crowds. They walk away from the truth because the truth stings. See, Jesus is the truth. Jesus spoke the truth. This Bible is the truth. And how can you not accept this Bible? How can you neglect the truth? And Jesus is saying, when you neglect the truth, you're walking away from me. You're doing just like these disciples did right here. Because either, either they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about because they're in the flesh. They're not in the spirit world. They're not, spit, they're not walking spiritually. They're walking in the natural, right? So let's talk about some other reasons why people may walk away from Jesus. First reason is this, right? Like the Pharisees, they wanted an earthly kingdom. Maybe they wanted some type of power and control, right? See, power, control, money, titles, all that don't mean nothing. It means absolutely zero. It means nothing. Because Jesus over and over points that out. That's all earthly stuff. That's all going to come to an end. And if you put your treasures, if you put your hopes in titles and in money, right? If, if, if you put your treasure, so to speak, in your hope, right, of the things of this world, you're going to be disappointed when you face our Lord and Savior face to face. Another reason is that Jesus refused to give in to their self-centered request, right? Because Jesus has a purpose and a plan for your life, and Jesus wants you to commit to him. And if you commit to him, then there's no door that's going to be shut according to the plans and purposes of Jesus for your life. It's not about you. It's not about the physical world. You can hope and you can dream. That's great, right? You can do all that. And the Bible says you can ask for anything. But also the Bible says that if it's not in God's will, he's not going to give it to you. In 1 John, it speaks about that. So, so don't put your hopes on this earth, furthest earth, but put your hopes instead on the one and true God through his son, Jesus Christ. Because he'll bring you to victory according to his plan and his purposes. Amen. A third reason could be that Jesus emphasized faith and not works, right? And they didn't like that. And there's a lot of people today that think this. They think that works gets them to the kingdom of God. But it doesn't. You got to believe. Believe means you got to commit. You got to have faith. Jesus says this over and over in the Gospel of John. What he says, believe. Believe. So you got to believe. And finally, his teachings were difficult to understand. And some of his words were very, very offensive. Why? Because Jesus spoke the truth. And we see that today with people. Now, when they hear the truth, what they do, they might leave a church because the pastor said something that offended them. Right? Maybe if you're in a Bible study, right? And the Bible teacher says something, but he's speaking the truth. He's speaking out the Bible. You may walk away because you might be offended because he said something. Well, instead of walking away, what we should do is this. That's a conviction from God that God's telling you, maybe you need to reevaluate yourself. Maybe that God is pricking you right now so you can change. 
so he can have all of you instead of half of you. And some of you might say, well, I'm a good person, right? Yeah, you're a good person. You, yeah, absolutely. You do good works for the church. Absolutely. You do good works for the community. Absolutely. Right. You uplift. That's good. But you're still denying the truth. And Jesus says, I, I want I want you all of you. Because I want a full time commitment from you. And the only way you can do that is if you accept all of me, if you accept all of the truth. See, as we grow in faith, right, our faith. Sometimes we may be tempted to turn away. We may be tempted to walk away, right, from Jesus. And Jesus' lessons are hard at times, right, because the truth stings. So when this happens, what's going to be your response? Will you give up? Will you walk away? Are you going to reject Jesus? Are you going to stay like these 12 did, right? You see, instead, what we should do is, is ask the Holy Spirit to show us what the teachings mean, right? What the truth means. And we need to apply the truth to our lives, even if it hurts, even if it pricks us, even if it's what we haven't been told. But this is the truth. This comes from God the Father. We, we need to have courage to act upon God's truth, people. And look what Jesus says to the 12, verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. So we see here that Jesus isn't compromising with the 12. We see that he, he, he's giving them a choice. He says, you can stay with me or you can walk away with them. And this is exactly what he does for us. Jesus will never force himself on us. He will never ask us to stay. He wants us to stay, but it's our choice. So what choice are you taking today is what Jesus wants to know, right? See, there's no middle ground with Jesus. When he asked his disciples, do you want to go or do you want to stay? He was showing that they could either accept him or they can reject him. Now, Jesus, Jesus again, He's not going to force his teaching on us. He's not going to force the truth on us, right? He speaks the truth and he wants us to believe the truth. He wants us to take that truth and apply it to our everyday life. Amen. See, the more people that heard Jesus's message, right? The more they were divided into two camps. You can say one camp was the honor seekers, right? Who wanted to understand more about the kingdom. But there were those who rejected the truth because they didn't like what they heard because the, the truth stung them. It stings. And they just walk away, right? And this is still true today. There's two entities that want you, the spirit and the flesh. And if you say you're walking in the spirit, then you need to follow the truth. You need to believe in the truth. But when someone calls out the truth, what do a lot of people do? They get angry. They walk away. Because they love the lie, but they hate the truth, you see. Don't deny the truth. Everybody's involved in a religion. And that's fine. As long as Jesus Christ and the truth comes first. Amen. Never walk away from the truth. Because when you walk away, that represents in this scripture that you reject him. Verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Now, this word Lord is very rarely used in the Gospel of John. So when John uses it here, right, and Simon Peter says this, it stands out. To whom shall we go, he says. You have the words of everlasting life. So Peter tells Jesus, 
This is where we're going to turn to. Who are we going to go to? Because you're the one that gives everlasting life. You're the one that gives eternal life. So here we see that Peter understands Jesus. We can say that he believes he's committing right here. He is thinking in a spiritual manner. He's thinking kingdom-minded. Now, we frequently talk about how John borrows things from the book of Genesis, right? The Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis. And this is exactly what he's doing here. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Remember, at the very beginning, the world was in chaos, the scripture tells us, right? It actually lacked order. Well, let's read it. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth, here it was, here it is, was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So you can say that it was in chaos. It, it, they, they had no organization, whatever, whatsoever. It was darkness, right? But what happened? God said, let there be light. And there was light, right? See, this is pointing to the cross in Jesus Christ. Why do I say all this, right? Because when we look at the world today, the world today lacks order. In other words, things happening in this world don't reflect the things of heaven, don't reflect the things of God. And the problem is this, that we as a society in general, we have accepted that. We've adjusted to that. We're okay with that. We're at peace with that. And it's wrong. See, Jesus was sent into this world as the light of the world in order to save people. And it's our job as disciples to bring them to that light. That's what this means right here, right? So we can say there's a transformation that's going to come to this world. And what type of transformation you can say? Well, Jesus says it a few times. Jesus says that he's coming to this world to give light, to bring life and to bring light into this world. Now remember, life means kingdom. So he has come to give this world a kingdom existence, we can say. He has come to give this world a kingdom quality, a kingdom transformation. See, he's the only source. He's the only one that can do this. And Peter gets this right here. Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? Where are we going to turn to? Because you're the one. You're the only one that gives everlasting life. Verse 69, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, he says we've come to believe. See, other people left because they just wanted their physical needs met, but not Peter, not the 12. He said, I've come to believe. So we see that Peter here is claiming to know who Jesus really is. Scripture goes on to say, and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So he knows that Jesus is the Messiah. He knows that Jesus was sent by God the Father, that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, this shows us that they, the other people we're committed to the world, but the disciples right here are not committed to the world. They committed to the hope, to the resurrection of Jesus, to the establishment of the kingdom, which gives everlasting life. You see, they have grown. You can say they've matured at this time. They understand the provision of Jesus and his kingdom. And because of this, they aren't willing to turn away, but to stay. What about you? Verse 70, last verse for today. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you to twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. Now, when it talks about the, the number 12 here, speaking about the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And God's sovereignty right here. He says, I have not chosen you to 12, meaning that he handpicked them, right? You can say that they are part of the elect. They are part of the chosen by God. Why? Because they believe in Messiah. They believe in Jesus. 
And because of this, God has allowed them to come to Jesus. But Jesus also knows this, that out of the 12, one of them is going to betray him because of greed, because of money. You see, you can't serve two masters. The Bible says you can only serve one. Matthew 6, 24 says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and you will love the other, or you will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What is your God today? Is your God money? Is your God the material things of this world? Or is your God the true living God through his son, Jesus Christ? Amen. He says, yeah, but one of you is a devil. So he's saying right here that one of you among the 12, you are here for the purposes of Satan, who is the father of this earth. See, in response to Jesus's message, some people left, right? Others stayed, believed, and some like Judah stayed, but tried to use Jesus for personal gain. See, many people today, they turn away from Christ. They just walk away. Others pretend to follow him, right? Maybe through church, maybe for some type of personal reasons, just like Judas did. But when it's all said and done, right, there's only two real responses. Either you accept them or you reject them. I'm sorry, verse 71, we got one more verse. He was talking about Jesus. He was talking about Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the 12 was later to betray him. So the scripture tells us that Jesus knows that Judas is going to be controlled by Satan, that Judas is going to turn him over to the Roman Empire, to the Roman government. Why? Because of his love for money, because of greed, because of pride. See, what we need to understand is this. Money, power, titles, material things of this earth, they're all going to vanish. They're all going to just disappear. And the Bible tells us to store up treasures for the kingdom of God, right? See, what we need to understand is this. And what we need to do is this. Don't invest into this earth and to the things of this earth, right? See, this world we're living now is going to vanish. God, Jesus, will send judgment upon this earth. But instead, we need to invest in things in the kingdom because that's for eternity. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We surely do appreciate you all tuning in and listening. We'll be back next week. We're going to be starting John chapter 7. Till next week, we love you guys. God bless.